Hi, this is Kalia. And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing. thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment. And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get to it. Hello, and thank you for coming back to KFCF 88.1. It's a queer thing on the third Friday of every month. And just a reminder, this radio station and all its programs are listener-supported. If you would like to make a monthly pledge, you can do so at www.kfcf.org. Just click the big donate button. And you know what I realized? We used to say, hi, this is Kalia, and hi, this is... Chris, We yeah. don't always do that, I, but you... We remember who we are, Hopefully though, yeah. you all know who we are. Um, the telephone number, if you want to donate, by the way, is 559-892-GIVE. That is 559-892-4483, in case you don't know what the letters are on your phone, which is fair. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to continue our theme uh, with this show of talking to uh, cis family members of trans people and trans people about their experiences with their families in the coming out process, the, the name change, the pronouns, all of that. So we have three guests in the studio today that we will talk to shortly. But first, I want to share an interview I did with my sister-in-law, uh, who's from Ohio. We were in Monterey for a family get-together, and she has uh, trans people in her family and wanted to talk about it. So we're going to have an interview now with Kim. Okay, so this is Chris Jarvis. I'm here with Kim Hensley. Hello. Who is my sister-in-law. Do you have uh, LGBTQ plus people in your family? Yes. Okay. Yes. So talk about what the challenges are to dealing with that. Um, of course, I have my wonderful brother-in-laws. I have two nieces. My biological niece is transgender and goes by pronouns they, them. And your nieces are married and they live in Tennessee? Well, yes. My challenge is the pronouns, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> As it is for all of us. Yes. And, um, but I love and support all of them. So, you know, it's, my family does not have a problem at all. It's, it's all, you know, accepting and loving and learning. And learning, exactly, mm-hmm. as we all are. So do you find that it's difficult? I mean, it sounds like it, and I've experienced this myself, it's difficult to stay on top of the pronouns, especially when you've known someone for so long and you've adapted to their, the pronouns they had before, and now it's something new. Right, right. So do you feel like you're reluctant to speak to them because you might screw it up, or you screw it up and you expect them to say, it's okay? I, I kind of expect them to say it's okay because it's new, I try just to use their name right. <laughs> and avoid the pronouns. And sometimes the names change, so that becomes right. a challenge. And, and my niece did change their name, and I have a hard time. Do I call her my them my niece? It, it, you know, that's I don't know the correct verbiage for that. Right. And I'm also a teacher, so the language part of it is very hard for me. My well, let's, kids. let's talk about you being a teacher. What's it like in Ohio? Public schools. Uh, I, I taught for a public school, and they were a little more accepting. And uh, now I, I teach for a Catholic high school, which is a whole different ball of wax. Our school is love them for who they are, but our hands are tied with the archdiocese on what we can and cannot do. Okay. I applaud our principal for what 
you know, I love you no matter what. Right. That's what your principal of your yes. school says. Okay. Yes. Because they, they're aware that they have LGBTQ yes. kids, right? Okay. Yes. We can't, you know, have uh, girls going into boys' bathrooms and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And the kids are okay because we love and accept them. Um, we don't try to change who they are. We do not do the pronouns because we're in a Catholic environment. So meaning if, uh, so, well, let's say, do you have LGBTQ students that you know about? Uh, yes. And do you have students that you have come across where they wanted to use a pronoun other than the one they came in the door with? No, I have not personally. Okay. But I know we've had some issues. And they said, you know, we, we understand that. Unfortunately, we cannot. So they just call them by their name. Okay. And, and that's ca- because it's a Catholic school and right. they're a private school and they can pretty much set the rules the way they want. Exactly. And um, what about if you have a student that comes out of the closet to one of your teachers? What, is there a procedure for that? Do you notify the parents? Do you ignore it? What, what happens? I think, I think they go to uh, the parents and say, here is our policy. Our rules are we can only go as far as you know we we love and try to accept them but our rule is we have to treat them as the way god made them so the sex they were assigned Assigned at birth birth, okay and that's the best we can do okay but we're not going to be cruel we're not going to ostracize them we will never allow bullying have you seen any bullying going on no no i tell you what our school has been really good and the kids are very kind and I would be the first one to stand up and stop it because I you know I have it in my family and I would not want that to happen to anyone that I love right what about do you guys have a gay straight alliance or on, on campus or do you, gay clubs of any kind or is that just not allowed? no it's not allowed not allowed okay yeah um, now in our in where we live our um public school they do okay and and it's great and it's great and it's uh you know so the public schools in ohio don't have a don't say gay policy or anything like that right they allow um group gay clubs and they do they allow pronouns do you know i i know the bellbrook school did okay yes okay so this is all just because you're in a catholic school Correct. correct so how do you feel about the way the world is changing um and how people outside of the lgbtq community have to come to terms with it do you see it as a challenge and obviously we talked about pronouns but what would you like to just hear from the lgbtq community that would help your community learn how to deal with their current stature um the pronouns came on it seemed to me kind of fast but i don't know how long it's been around right Um, for you it's new it's it's very new and i don't necessarily understand it i know like my parents generation didn't understand being gay and then boom come my generation being trans right and then boom um pan and then boom 
pronouns and then boom, even asexual and, you know, all right, the different right, right, right. things. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? What do you, what do you reach out to to get these questions answered? Oh, my brother-in-law's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had these conversations. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I try my best to be very, very understanding and supportive because I don't live it. Right. right. And, um, and I hope that, you know, you guys are understanding that knowing that I don't live it. So be patient with me yeah. and know that I, I try even with my niece. She's changed her name. And but, you know, I called her her name for, you know, almost 30 years. I slip up and um, I try to correct myself. Yeah. My kids are much more. She, you know, they 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 correct me. And well, and as an, you're an English teacher, so yes. you have some of the same issues I had when the they them first started coming right. around, which was that's uh, to us that's a plural word. So even though it has some base in history as being a singular word, but most people don't know that, and I didn't know that till I read about it. Right. Um, so it's hard for us because we're looking. Why are we going to call a singular person they, them? Right. And, so it, and testing, like, it, use my name. Kim went to the store. They bought groceries. That's grammatically incorrect. Right. How am I going to grade that on a test? Right. How would a person know taking a test that Kim is trans and goes by the pronouns they, them? Do I have to put that as a disclaimer on the test? Yeah. You know, there's there's all that thinking going on and so it's a revamping of education yes. in general and plus you and i we both grew up with you know he she that was it exactly and and people's names were people's names and we didn't grow up with but there were certainly trans people but they weren't identified as trans people correct at least not in general and so we this is all new to us even me myself in the gay community it's taken me a long time. I had a friend in Fresno who I'd known for many, many years, and uh, I had known him as a she initially. And and for years, I would miss uh, misgender uh, his name and I would or pronoun. I would say she instead of he. It took me time. Luckily, he was very you know accepting and said it's okay. I get it. There are some trans people that aren't as accepting and they get angry and then that makes us feel guilty because we obviously are hurting them in some way. Yes, and and I certainly do not want to do that to anyone, especially my niece. And that bothers me that that I might do that to anyone. Right, right. It's a learning curve. Yeah. And it's a big learning curve for the whole country right now. Right. And you have young, you have kids. Yes. And how are they dealing with all of this, uh, this newness out there in the LGBTQ plus they're, community? They're very open to it. And your kids are how old? Um, my son's, 20, well, he'll be 30 and my daughter will be 27. Okay. He doesn't want to hear that he's going to be 30. I'm I, sure. no, I don't <laughs> want to hear that he's going to be 30. <laughs> so, but, but they, do they have LGBTQ plus friends? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and to them, does it seem perfectly normal? Yeah. Everything it's that's like, happening? yeah. Now, it's going to be funny when they get older, what will be new to them. Right, right. And I remember when our son realized, you know, when he was growing up and his friends were talking about some guy being gay. And my son was like, you know, they were like, oh, that's so gross. That's so gross. And I said, do you know anyone who's gay? And he goes, no. And I said, really? And he goes, no. And I said, well, actually, you do. And he goes, who do I know that's gay? And I said, someone that you actually love very much. And he goes, what? And I said, someone you're related to. And he goes, no way. Who do I know that's gay? And I said, Uncle 
Jimmy and Uncle Chris? He was like, what? I said, yeah. And he started to cry. When was this? How old was he, he when was, this happened? He um, was in middle school. Okay. okay. And, um, and we just never talked about it. Right. It just kind of happened. And he had been around us. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He started to cry. And he felt terrible. Yeah. And I said, you know, we never really, we never even thought about it. And he just said, Mom, I, I feel so bad. And I said, it's it's okay. And I told him right then and there, I said, you don't have to defend your uncles. And I said, that's not your job. Yeah. But I love them so much. I said, I know. And he said, um, I'm going to get upset. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, um, and they're so happy. And I said, that's the thing. They're in love. They're happy. And you guys weren't married yet. So I said, you know, when somebody starts talking and they're saying bad things, just you know, if you're uncomfortable, just walk away. Yeah. You don't have to defend them. Now, today, he would stand up and scream and yell and defend you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the end. And I think we forget that a lot of times. James and I have talked about this. We forget that as a community. We Because it takes us so long. We live this lie for such a long time. I came out when I was 20. I don't remember how old James was when he came out, but somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, and and so when we come out, it's been such a long time coming for us that oftentimes people in our community expect the family, friends, employers, whatever, to totally just go, oh, it's okay. And that's not right because you guys, our family, our friends, our acquaintances, they need time to deal with it too and they certainly if they're a teenager don't have to defend us um your kids are completely accepting of us and loving of yeah. us and we love them to death and um but i think there's a there's a disconnect sometimes with our community where um and it's the same thing with trans people is what they're going through now and there's even a disconnect between trans people and the rest of us in the lgbt community is that when they come out as trans and maybe non-binary or change their names or their pronouns or whatever they want us to instantly adapt to that and it's you know we're human beings it takes time yeah. to adapt to all that Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I even talked to my niece when she came out. She said, it's so much easier talking to you than my mom. And I said, because you're not my kid. Right. Now, my kids, that may be a totally different situation when they have children. Yeah. Because it's a different generation. Right. Yeah, because when I was growing up and probably when you were growing up, it wasn't even talked about. No, absolutely not. It wasn't not. even mentioned. It wasn't in the media. It wasn't in the movie. Well, it was in the movies, but in a negative way. It was just, it wasn't a conversation people had. Right. Just like when my parents were growing up, they never envisioned their children being married and having a biracial, right. you know, relationship right. for their children. And we're all learning. And the important part is that we work together to do it. And you're completely supportive. And I understand that you feel guilty. I feel guilty sometimes when I misgender somebody. It's not on purpose. It's because right. in my head, you're this person and I'm trying to make you into this person over here. So, right. So I think you're doing a great job. Well, thank you Absolutely. for talking to thank us today. It's important me. that we get this conversation going between the straight community and the gay community because, uh, or the LGBTQ plus community so that we can come to terms with all this because it's it doesn't happen overnight. So no. thanks, Kim. Absolutely. Thank you thanks. for having me. All right. So that was my sister-in-law, Kim, who, you know, she has, she was the one that spurred this, uh, 
theme, not that we don't deal with transgender issues all the time, but we decided to make last month and this month about trans uh, people and their families. Um, and in that vein, we have some special guests on the show. Kalia, you want to introduce them? Why, sure, certainly. Yes, thank you for putting me on the spot. Let me okay. look at my notes. Okay, we have <laughs> Carlos and Arian. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I made a note. I was very proud of myself. So it's Carlos and Arian who are here to talk to us about the trans experience. Because as Chris said, we wanted to make sure that we're not centering the trans experience on the cis people. So, guys, if you would like to introduce yourselves more fully or not and uh, tell us your pronouns and maybe give us our, your elevator pitch about coming out and how long that's been for you. I'll, I'll go first. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Arian. My pronouns are he, him. And... um I'm sorry, and we're starting off by just... Yeah, how uh, long have you been out? How long have I been out? Uh, so I've been out for about four years now, because I came out in 2019. Okay. Oh, wow, pre-pandemic. Very good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and Carlos? Um, I've also been out around four years, four and a half years. I came out, like, March 2019. So. Okay. Oh, wow. That's, wow. like, yeah. really close to when I came out. Similar timeline, yeah. yeah. We didn't plan this at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, Carlos, tell us... Who you first came out to? Was it friends? Was it family? And specifically, how did your family react to all this? And also, if you wouldn't mind, tell us your age range, if you don't want to give us your exact age. Oh, come on. Give us your age. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I came out when I was 22 years old. So you can can, do do the the math. math. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I was actually, I was a senior at UC Santa Cruz at the time, um, which made it easier for me because I was away from my family. So I felt more comfortable coming out, you know, with having that distance. Um, so I, the first people I came out to, I think I want to say it was my roommate. Um, cause we were sharing, you know, we were sharing a room. We were like, you know, bunk mates, you know, I was on top and then she was on the bottom and, um, we were pretty good friends and, so I, yeah, so, you know, I, she's, I was just like, well, I, I gotta tell my roommate. Like, that's, I, I feel like that's, you know, one mm-hmm. of the first people I should tell. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, and she's, you know, she's been, she's also part of the, the community as well. And so I knew that she was gonna take it well, and she did, and she was, she was wonderful. She was great. Um, what you know, about I, your, what about your family? And then my family, I ended up, so I came out, you know, to my parents separately, cause they've been, you know, divorced for quite some time. And I ended up just sending texts to both of them because I was like, you know, like, I don't think either of them, like, I don't think any of us would be would be able to handle a phone call. I think there'd be a lot of, you know, there'd be too many feelings, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it would be too raw for me to do that. Right, right. So, you know, I came up with some, this pretty short, a short little text, like, hey, you know, like, I have something to tell you. Like, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot recently and I I think I'm trans and... I'm going to start using he, him pronouns and, you know, my appearance might change a little bit and I might be playing around with my name, but, you know, I just wanted to let you know that that's what's going on. And what was their initial reaction? My dad's reaction. Did the phone immediately ring and they called? No, no? neither neither, neither of them called me, which was nice because, again, I don't think I would have been able to handle that. Um, But... My my dad's first reaction was kind of I think like he was like oh you know my my cousin was able to get a mastectomy you know covered by insurance you should look into that wow <laughs> that's like a, supportive that was like his first like reaction which like still uh-huh. makes me laugh because he's like always you know like oh how do you you know he's always thinking of ways to save money the practical like, right yeah, yeah, yeah. practical <laughs> Mr. Fix It yeah he's like oh you know you don't have to spend all that much money you know insurance is probably going to cover it and I was like oh I'll, yeah I'll totally look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so like he had, like took me off guard a little bit, but like 
it's interesting how people respond. <laughs> yeah, it's it totally like. Yeah. And what about were you concerned about people in school with? Did you change your pronouns right away? And, did you start? Did you change rooms or dorm rooms at all? No, because at that point I was about like two months from graduation, so I was like, "We're you know," and my roommate was totally fine with that, you know. So, so you have just, good timing. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was great timing because I I still you know I came out to my at least the professors that I like was you know that I was close with and like you know all my friends and the anthropology department and you know everybody took it in stride and um. So this is a. Aware, I've just never thought about it before, but um, when you got your diploma, does it have your authentic current name or does it have the old dead name? Did you have to go through getting a diploma change? It current my current dipo- diploma has my dead name on it, which I, yeah, I just I don't even know where it is right now because like it's just like I hate that it exists. Right, right. You know? right. yeah. So, no, never even thought of that. But when they call to verify that you graduated and what whatever, like there has to be some kind of record so that they can verify your graduation. Yeah. So I what I ended up doing at least I figured out the problem for now. Like I emailed like you know the administrator the some you know some admin folks and I was like hey you know like I've changed my name legally like you know is there any way you can at least change my name on my email or you know just in the mm-hmm. little portal and so they did that at least okay so I have everything like my emails fixed and I don't think people understand the levels of complexity when yeah. you decide to change your gender and your name of all the markers you have throughout your life that are affected by that yeah, no. That's, and I totally yeah. get what you're saying. I didn't want to look at that diploma because that's not me. That's somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. It's um, too bad they can't reissue it with a with a different just name. Photoshop it or something at least. I mean, you can hang it on the wall. There's got to be an Etsy shop out there God, that would yeah. do this for you. Yeah, I I have yet to actually. You know, I've just it's been like so low on my list of priorities. Oh, of course. But like, of course. I, oh, I yeah, think, yeah. but I like totally. I I feel like they would respond well if I sent an email like, "Hey, my you know my yeah. diploma has my dead name. Can I get one with my name?" I mean, name? especially UC Santa Cruz, like yeah. all yeah, the colleges. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. So yeah. I I think it'll. I just it's just a matter of sending that email. So I want to get us back to to family, extended family. Did your parents like were they a buffer for you for your extended family, or was that all on you to come out to your family? I pretty much. I knew that my mom wouldn't be able to, like, keep quiet about it. So, like, that worked in my favor because I was like, I don't want to come out and tell these people. I'll just let her do it. So, I mean, she did it. That's how mine worked, too. That's so weird. Um, Moms are useful. So, so, yeah, so she, like, she took care of that on my part. My dad did, too. I talked to him, and I was like, hey, can you, like, tell everyone what's going on? And he's like, Was your family LGBTQ plus friendly before? All of this, were they liberal people and you thought this is going to be okay? I, it's, I would say it's, they're a mixed bag. Okay. Like they're, cause oh. I, I had came out when I was 16 as like lesbian. Like I thought I was lesbian at the right. time. And mm-hmm. I mean, and that went like fairly well. Like people were just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, you, you like girls. So what's the big deal? So that like very, you know, they just kind of didn't really, questioned me so that was really nice and same actually like they were more supportive this time for some reason like well that's cool that's I, yeah. yeah that was i wasn't expecting that at all yeah. i thought it was going to be the reverse i thought it was going to be harder yeah 
So, Ariane, I want to make sure we have time to hear from you. So tell us about your coming out experience. Were you also in college? Uh, well, I was, but not as someone who's, like, in college, but as okay. someone who's working at a college. Okay. I was the budget technician for the Disabled Students Programs and Services at Fresno City College at the time that I came out. Okay. So for me, it was... I sort of had, like, the other side of the experience where I had to come out to my coworkers and, you know, to everyone. I actually came out to my coworkers before I was completely out to the world. Um, before your family? Um, I was out to part of my family beforehand. Okay. Um, I came out to my partner first. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, actually, I think I kind of came out to, like, my my coworkers a little bit first because like I've been kind of experimenting with pronouns for a little while for a couple years and then I finally figured out that I was a trans man and that's when I as soon as that clicked in my brain um then I came out to my partner and then I officially you know stopped using she her pronouns um and was like no just he him only you know and just sort of like made that sort of change because I was kind of going by both for a while there um and I just decided you know what I've decided this is what I am. So I chose the he, him pronouns. I came out to my partner. Um, and he How took it, it about as well as, like, he could have. Yeah. Considering that, like, he didn't really know anything about this kind of culture. And I honestly didn't know much about queer culture either at the time. It was something new to me. Um, the whole reason why I didn't come out until I was 27 was because I didn't even know the word trans until I was, like, 25. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah, so I we both came from, like, you know, we're, we grew up, like, out by Oakhurst. So we oh, did so not have... Oh, so you just have, have to say that, out by Oakhurst. Yeah, 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 right? So, yeah, we did not have, like, any idea about this kind of stuff. And so, like, yeah, I'd always been kind of presenting as male and wearing men's clothes and stuff. But, like, we, we never really gave it much thought, you know, until the day that I did. <laughs> Are you wow. and your partner still together? Yes, yes. Oh. Oh, that's um, interesting. Funny enough, a lot of people keep assuming that like we that we're not, or that things would be rocky. Like I can't even go on vacation without like my whole extended family assuming that we divorced or something. And <laughs> I'm like, no, I was just visiting my sister, and they're like, oh, we thought you got kicked out. And I'm like, what? Well, I mean, you said that your partner didn't know anything about. I mean, neither yeah. of you really knew about the trans community, but I'm assuming your partner is straight. Uh, yes. Okay. So that's why I think, I mean, my first question is, are you still together? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's so much more common, I think, for women who, who are, are transition to women and they, it seems like those relationships, but I've, I haven't heard this kind of dynamic before. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, according to research, only about a third of trans people are left by their partners. Oh, so it's cool. actually a kind of overcompleted issue, I believe. But, sure. um, but yeah, in my experience, um, you know, it took, some time for us to learn and to adjust and so we were both kind of cranky for <laughs> a good year or two I'm but sure. yeah you know we didn't know if it was going to work out well but we just kept at it we just kept working well that's um, incredible that's, that's thank you kind of beautiful I, yeah, I love absolutely. that story I was really ready for a different story oh yeah so me too next right here on the table and the whole thing no he helped me pick out my name and everything oh wow. that's great oh, yeah I love stories of good partners so what about right? your family was your family as supportive did you did so, you win the lottery in all the ways? <laughs> My family was kind of a mixed bag, and it's pretty funny, because I have a mom who's more progressive, feminist, has always told me while I was growing up that, you know, if you're gay, it's, it's okay. You know, it's okay to be gay. And I had, you know, my dad, who's more conservative, um, you know, he and his wife are Catholic. 
And so I just assumed that things were going to go in a certain way. And then it ended up being more like my mom was more resistant and had to like kind of learn to accept me. And then um, it was my dad who actually just accepted me right away. It was just totally cool. Like still get, they both still get my pronouns and name. Well, they get my name okay, but my pronouns, they, they screw up all the time. Okay. Um, still to today. They still, yeah, still to the same. Four, four years, years later. later. Yeah. yeah. So still one, one of the things that I, that I talked to my sister-in-law about is pronouns and how sometimes people who are have changed their pronouns get irritated at the cis, cis people in their lives because they have problems with the pronouns do you so it seems like you have a really good attitude about that and just you know take it in stride i might also be slightly non-binary so that could also be why yeah (laughs) why i'm not i I like the he him pronouns more than they them i think but um yeah that might it might just be like that i am just kind of like i'm not very masculine so like i am a little bit feminine for a man okay so um i think for me it just sort of works out well but in does that, that also, regard but it does bother me it yeah. does i'm sure yeah. it does but, but I, I, mean, I have a lot of patience though too yeah personally. because i think we all have to have understanding about this because it's still you know new to so many people mm-hmm. um but did you say that the name change was easier and the pronouns are more difficult for your family yeah weird, so weirdly enough they they all call me ari but they get my pronouns wrong like all the time that's interesting <laughs> to this day yeah. Yeah. And I know, Carlos, you took your headset off because we we're about to switch to our other guests, but maybe just a thumbs up, a thumbs down. But did your family have more or issues with the pronouns or with your name, Carlos? We're doing thumbs up. Okay. That's interesting. Fascinating. Well, thank you guys so much for being here, and we'll definitely want to talk more with you. I'm sure that we might invite you back for on a longer segment, but right now we want to make sure that we have time to talk to our other guest, whose name is not on my sheet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, that's because you printed your sheet instead of took my sheet. It's April Taylor Salary. Hi, and April. she's a family counselor. Counselor, tell us what you do. Uh, hello. My name is April Taylor Salary. I'm an LMFT. I am um, a clinician in my own private practice of affirming family counseling and I specialize in the LGBTQ community. Great. Wonderful. And so we wanted you on here today specifically to talk about the the role of the family in the trans person's coming out experience and how the family members can be more supportive. We all kind of know, okay, use the right name, use the correct pronouns, but what else can families do for their trans family member? So one of the things that I work with most with trans families or families of trans folks is that it's not so much important that you share your feelings or your thoughts or ask the trans person those questions. That's something you get your own support of your own somewhere else, right? And you just show them the love and support that they need to go through this process. And whatever processing you need to do, you seek that for yourself somewhere else. So that is something that I would I also offer within the community is support for parents. Because a lot of parents will go to their trans family members and ask some pretty asinine questions, not realizing how laden with microaggressions those are. Can you give us one of those asinine questions? Um, like if we're speaking... Um, I can't think of a great one right off the top of my head, but like if they are a same sex couple, well, which one is the man in the relationship if they're both female? I still get that. Yeah. Like just things like that is like, okay, go work on your ignorance somewhere else. Like your child, whether it's an adult child or a minor child, they don't need to help you understand those things. Like you need to go understand that somewhere else. And I think with trans folks, it's remembering 
the pronouns, whether it's easy or hard for us, is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know that you've known them for 13 years and now all of a sudden it's hard to change it. They don't, they don't need to know that. They don't care. Just change it. If you make a mistake, you say, I'm sorry, she, or I'm sorry, he, and move on. If you stop to explain why you made that mistake or why it's hard for you, now you're just putting your feelings on that trans person that now they have to navigate your emotions and their own. Just correct it and move on. We don't need to explain why it's hard. Mm-hmm. It just is. Just That's get the right name. Because I think, I mean, we've all done it. Um, uh, even Kaylee and I, who are members of the community, we've done it. Um, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, like in the interview with my sister, and I was talking about someone I, who I knew first as female and then later as male. And I would misgender him from time to time. And he was just like what was Arian was saying was, yeah, it's okay. Just change it. And <laughs> over time, it takes practice, but over time it works. And sometimes they're being nice, right? Like right, they're saying right. that because it's easier to say, it's okay, I understand. Just fix it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like they shouldn't have to make it better for you. Right. Um, so I have a client currently that I'm working with. Their child is trans. I don't know their child. And I know that it's a trans boy. Um, I know that the child prefers the chosen name and their pronoun that they use, but my client constantly uses the old set and I will correct them. And they're like, I know, but it's just so hard for me. I don't want to say goodbye to that. And I was like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. So do you think that's part of an emotional reaction with them? It's not that they're just using the wrong pronoun just because their mind slipped. Maybe they're trying to hang on to that. Yeah, for them, it's a refusal. And so me constantly correcting and just saying, like, understanding what that does to that child. Like, if you need to come and process that here and not be happy about it here, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But I know how they're talking that they also do this at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think I know your kiddo says they don't mind. But they mind. They just don't want you to just reject them outright. Right. Like, be conscious of that, that you're hurting them. Yeah. Right. I think it's interesting. In some of the other interviews we've done, we've heard parents talk about the grieving process Mm -hmm. of their child. And on the one hand, you can understand that intellectually because this person has changed. But on the other hand, it's the same person. It's the same person. So what would your advice be to people who feel like it is a loss? And and almost, I'm sure that you guys are aware of there's like this whole thing on Twitter, like, just now that was happening in my feed about the widows of trans people and it's it's very disgusting yes yes it's awful and so what is your advice what can you say to people to like kind of combat those really harmful and hurtful words so i also have a trans child and i could understand where that feeling comes from and that did also take me a while to process but I think it's understanding you aren't grieving the loss of your child. You're grieving the loss of your hopes, your dreams, and your expectations that you placed on that child that may and potentially more likely have not happened anyways, mm-hmm. right? Like you're projecting this ideal marriage, these ideal grandchildren, careers, all these things onto this person. We have no idea that that's what their future was going to be anyways. So it's accepting that you you didn't lose the person you love. You lost your ideals. You lost the projections. Yeah, I used to get my mom from my people in my family, oh, we're not going to have grandchildren, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 But who's to say if as a hetero couple, if you would, you would have had yeah. them anyways? Right, exactly. Well, and a lot of those expectations might, may or may not even be real, but also they're rooted in a gender thing, and and that's a whole yeah. systemic issue to begin with, that you know that you have these certain expectations because, quote-unquote, it's, tr- it's a girl, therefore she's obviously going to do X, Y, and Z, yeah. and that's right, just... Right. Wrong thinking on all the levels. If we think about it, we're doing, we would have that similar grieving process if our child were to have a severe mental illness. That's going to change the trajectory of their life, right? right? Or a severe 
health crisis also, or even just maybe they don't even like dance, but you've had them in dance this whole time and now they don't want to dance, mm-hmm. right? You're still grieving this dream or ideals you right. had for them that you is know, now different. Yeah, I always, uh, you know, complain about some people being a parent because they simply want a toy to play with in a lot of ways. They want, this is what I want this person to be. And I'm like, look, you brought this person into this world, but they are their own person and they're Mm going to be who they want to be and you should support that. Yeah, Uh, and so though to validate that it is a real feeling of loss, it is a hard thing to go through. But again, it's understanding that you can express those feelings and process those feelings separate from the love and support you have for your child, even if you're confused or lost and hurting. Right. You do that separate, and and you can get support for that. That's a great separate point. from loving them unconditionally and supporting them. So the grief isn't invalid and not mm-hmm. authentic. But it you, is something they're experiencing, but it, it's not something we lay at the foot of our child. Yeah, because fix. I think we a lot of people expect trans people, gay people, yeah. whoever, to explain everything yeah. for yep. them instead of doing their own research. The emotional baggage. Yeah. I think to to sum up here, it is um, everybody can use some therapy. So I, yes. yeah, everybody yes. just. Everybody Everybody 100% across the board. So thank you. The, uh, us included. Yeah, all of us. All of us. get in touch us. with you for um, uh, Affirming services. Family Counseling. I have a website. Um, you can give us an email. It's April uh, at affirmingfamilycounseling.com, and then we can get you scheduled. I also do, as part of Trans Emotion, the three of us are part of Trans Emotion, I do free letters of support with the WPATH assessment. Um, and I do that for anybody within the state of California. I'm also on Gallup so that others can find me. Uh, it's a really tedious process that people have to go through for every step of their trans care. Even for a minor to change their name and pronouns, they need that letter. Um, and it's just something I shouldn't be a part of. So I try to do it for free just so I can eliminate some barriers for as many people as possible. Okay. Awesome. We'll get your website and all that in the show notes of the episode. So thank Perfect. you so much for being thank here. You. We want to transition now just a, a bit over into our an interview that we are going to do right here live for you people with uh, Taylor Poiso. Is she on the line right now? You're, you're very close. I'm it's close. Okay. Poizel. Okay. Thank you so much for the correction. Um, I, thank you so much for talking to us. Now, you are from the Red Cross, and I've got a lot of questions, but why don't you go ahead and tell us, in your own words, about the exciting thing that happened with the FDA and the Red Cross in the last couple weeks? Sure. Thank you so much for having us on. We're really excited to be able to share this with the listeners. Um, just recently, the American Red Cross became one of the first blood banks across the country to implement the FDA's new blood donor changes through our questionnaire so that we could welcome more blood donors to be part of our mission. And this happened on August 7th, so it's still fairly new. Um, but now, as one of the largest blood banks in the country. We collect more than 40% of the nation's blood supply. We get to welcome more donors, men that previously had sex with men who previously under the FDA's rulings were not eligible to give. And now that is changing. And we're so excited of this historic change. Yeah. So just so people can understand a little bit of the of the backgrounds, in the wake of the AIDS crisis in the 80s, the FDA had instructed blood donations agencies, including the Red Cross, to not accept blood from men who had sex with men just across the board and that policy Mm -hmm. was in place until 2015 in 2015 it was changed to allow men who have sex with men to donate blood but 
They had to remain abstinent for a year before doing mm-hmm. so, which is uh, Bolton. Yes, thank you. I caught myself. <laughs> the agency shortened that abstinence period to three months in 2020 amid a blood strike, but it's still complete abstinence for three months. And now the idea, though, is that it's not, it's, it's three months with a new partner, correct? But not just three months totally. Is that right? Yes, it's with a new partner. And really what the changes are is it's within the questionnaire. It's going to be across industry-wide that now it'll be a gender-neutral questionnaire. Everyone's being asked the same questions, and it'll be more about behavior rather than your sexuality. So this now means that if you are healthy and able to give, you are more likely to be able to donate blood. And so many people have been waiting for this. And the Red Cross has been one of the advocates to really urge the FDA to make this change with years and years of data. And through our latest advanced study where we did in 2021 and 2022, we had um, locations across the country where they were able to do this study and be able to provide that scientific data to the FDA, which helped influence this new guidance change. Yeah, and I, I, some of you, our listeners, may or may not know, but Chris and I did a podcast episode for a different uh, series about a book and movie called The Band Played On. And as part of that discussion, we talked about the idea of the AIDS in the blood and how the, the, it was basically a myth that was perpetrated based on a very tiny sample size and, and, you know, just completely outdated. It was very political at the time, too. Very, very political. So this is really good movement forward, but I'm sure you're aware that there are some concerns in the gay community of people who have said things like they didn't want our blood for years and years, so why are you gonna why are we gonna give it to to them now? So, so Taylor, this is Chris, that? by the way. Yeah. Chris is here too. Yeah. <laughs> so Taylor, Hi, can you can you speak to that a little bit about is there a PR campaign? Is there something happening um, to to encourage the donation from from people who might feel like this is an organization, not just the Red Cross specifically, but blood donation totally, um, that has kind of you know shunned them for a number of years. What what are they doing to change that narrative? Absolutely, and we understand the hurt that this years and years of this policy has caused to the community and completely understand that that sentiment. And especially with um, the national blood crisis that occurred last year, you know, we heard that loud and clear, and, and so did the FDA. And what we just want to do is, through this new process, it's not a, us for a way to recruit new donors, although that is a benefit, but it's to let people know that everyone is welcome at the Red Cross and whether you can be a blood donor or not, that you are welcome here, that we want to invite you to be part of our life-saving mission. And if you're eligible to give, we love that. If you're able to share the, the news, then that is great, too, to be able to advocate that. But we also know that this change does not go far enough, and we're still committed to um, sharing more data with the FDA as our partner to be able to make more changes in the future so it's even more inclusive. So so does that mean you can give blood not just at the Red Cross but anywhere with these this same? This will be industry-wide, yes. Oh, okay. so all um, blood centers across the country will be implementing this over time. We are one of the first. I see. Um, but in the next several months, many local community blood centers will be um, implementing this change. It's an industry-wide historic change in okay. our questionnaires. 
And so um, I, the Red Cross doesn't locally collect blood right. here in the Central Valley, but they do in other parts of California and the country. But we know that um, this change will be happening soon locally. Yeah, and so just for our listeners, it's the Central California Blood Center is who uh, conducts the donations locally, and I called over there. The first person who answered the phone had no idea about this change in policy at all, and was just confused. Um, so, okay, that was one one person on one day. I called again on another day and got a different person who um, reiterated the same uh, policy of the three months of abstinence, but says that they are on track at the Central California Blood Centers to implement the new policy in November, but they're still reviewing the changes and they have to update all of their information and stuff. So as of like today... So they're just dragging their feet. Well, I mean, it does take time to, to do all new information. Well, but here's my next question, okay. uh, Taylor, <laughs> is um, you just said it doesn't go far enough, which I agree with. Uh, the, the subtext here I believe, is that, as Kaylee has said, men were asked to be abstinent for a year prior to this mm-hmm. in order to give Until blood. Until 2015. Until 2015. And now you're not asking, or they're not asking for abstinence, but, and everybody, men, women, everybody will fill out the same questionnaire. Is the part that we need to go further with where nobody is asked about their sexual activity? Right now, um, one of the questions that is asked is if people are taking PrEP or PEP, um, HIV preventative medications. And so one of the deferrals is related to if you are taking that medication, you'd have to wait three months till your last dose of that. And that might not. And so that really impacts a lot of people who are taking care of their health. They're taking preventative measures to be safe. But because there's not a way yet um, without there's not a way yet for folks to know like if that's going to give a false result in the blood testing. Um, so is that requirement so that is, basically because PrEP might give a false result or is it an underlying piece of this HIV thing that they're hanging on to and trying to label part of it? Because people who take PrEP are negative. Yes, yeah, so it's re- related to the testing part, and that's where Red Cross is going to continue to collect that information, show testing results to the FDA so that it can implement another change in the future. And that's our hope is that that will happen soon over time. Um, but something we'll continue to advocate for as the largest blood collector in the country. Good. And, you know, in the past, what the problem that uh, those of us in the gay communities, particularly gay men, had with all this was the blood was being tested for HIV all these years. Um, and we all know, obviously, that gay people are not the only people with HIV. Um, so it just it felt so discriminatory for so long. I can see why gay people, gay men particularly now are going, you know what, I'm not going to give you any blood, which I'm not saying I agree with. I don't. I've been wanting to give blood for years. We had a blood van at our work every month and I couldn't go out and I got angry every time I saw it because I can't give blood. So I want to give blood. It's It just feels like it's, you know, I'm thrilled for this, but <laughs> Kaylee, help me out here because I yeah. still got I've still got this anger for the yeah. last thirty no, years, and that's why I asked about the PR because I do think that it, it is a it is a good time to reach out and say you know as you're saying like this was a bad policy and we're fixing it instead of just pushing it under the rug and having it be something that's not really right. talked about. It would be really nice to see billboards and things and say you know hey we we were wrong. 
we've as a society right, we have exactly. moved past this scare from the 80s and that's what needs to happen everybody is welcome yeah. i i donate pretty regular i donate platelets which is a different it's a whole different thing um <laughs> and uh and and i'm really really glad that i get to do that as a queer woman because as a queer woman it doesn't matter my blood is right it's always exactly. been fine yeah exactly um so but, yeah you know that being said we're thrilled with what yeah. the red cross is doing and i think it will end up in a much better policy down the road it's you know things take one step at a time yeah um but thank you so much, uh, we Taylor. We really appreciate. It. Is there any other final thoughts or something we didn't ask you that you want to make sure that our listeners hear about? And is this immediate? Can people go? Oh, you you uh, guys don't collect blood in the Central no, Valley. No, 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 oh, okay. Probably November. We'll be following up on that for sure because I go there all the time. So, Taylor, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners? Something we didn't ask? Yes. Um, well, thank you, one, for being a platelet donor. My mom is as well, and I know that takes a lot of time out of your day to, to go and do that. Um, if people want to learn more, they can go to redcrossblood.org to take a look at that. We also have um, an LGBTQ donor page, so that's redcrossblood.org slash LGBTQ. And really just for us, it's wanting to reiterate Everyone is welcome in our mission, whether you're a volunteer, a donor, a supporter, that uh, you are welcome at the Red Cross. I know for me, as an ally, it's been really heartwarming to see um, my Red Crossers who were ineligible to give before now be able to. And um, it means a lot, but also we know that there's more to do and more to advocate for. We're committed to doing and making that change as we can. And we appreciate that. Great. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Whew. So I hated to be the negative Nelly there, but, you know, it's it's hard to get over something that's been going. Because my second husband died of AIDS at the peak of before the meds came out in, like, 94. Um, so, and I lost tons and tons of friends. And so when they said they didn't want our blood um, because it was HIV taint, possibly HIV tainted, even though they were testing for HIV. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that straight people can have just as much HIV as gay people. It's just, it's and hard. And just to, as much, if not more, unprotected sex right, and right. dangerous sex. And, oh, I yeah. mean, it's kind yeah, of this idea right. that, that straight people have nice, clean <laughs> sex and gay people have dirty back alley sex. Right. Um, back alley sex, huh? Yeah, well, then that's true for some of us, but I mean, it's also... Okay, moving on. It's also true for straight people. It definitely, definitely, definitely is, for sure. Okay. But, Um, I mean, that being said, I don't want to end this without saying I encourage people to give blood. Yeah, if if you can, it's a great thing. Um, Starting in November. Starting in November. um, Here in Central Valley, and we will be updating you on that because I think it'd be really fun if Chris and I went and... And we are going to go, and maybe we'll get an event going where a bunch of people go. They can do they do blood drives and all and I think it would be amazing if we did uh, okay, gay people can give now. Let's do a big blood drive right here in the tower. And prove, and yeah. prove look at all of this blood that can exactly. come from our community. Exactly. So um, we're almost out of time today, but I just want to say a couple of quick things. One thing in particular is about Camp Out, which is coming up. It is on September eighth and 9th. And so let me tell you, Camp Out, if you don't know, Camp Out with a K is the longest running LGBTQ. QIA gay camping event in California. This is their 43rd year, and every year it is theme-based. This year, the theme is Magical Mouse on the Mountain, a.k.a. Disney. Disney. Yep. So they're asking people to decorate their campsites and themselves. Of course, it'll be a wonderful time. It is $50 entry. That's in cash only. And that includes two breakfasts, one dinner, one progressive 
two beer busts, and an unbelievable campground extravaganza drag show. So, yeah, it's fun, a lot. Fun, fun. $50. It's private property. It's at 5,500 feet above Oakhurst, so it'll be nice and cool up there. It's secure. There's swimming because of all the rain. There's going to be numerous events like needle in the haystack and boat races, and they supply all the su- they give you all the supplies for the boat races. You don't have to bring anything. There's going to be bingo and karaoke. Just karaoke. your passion. You have to bring your passion for boat racing. <laughs> That's right. Campdown races. So, anyways, you don't need to pre-register. You just bring your tent and all your camping stuff. There are outhouses and there are showers for cash for five dollars. There's a cantina if you forgot anything like batteries, and you can find out more information at campoutfresno.com. Remember that's campout with a K. So campoutfresno. Com. And if you want to come early or stay late, it's $5 per person per night. And I this, thought you were going to say Cantina for booze. And I'm like, no, they'll no, be bringing no, the booze. booze. Yeah, yeah. This event is sponsored by Vibes, Red, The Splash, and I Pull, You Pull, and other sponsors. And they've been well. doing this for many, many, many years. So 43. 43 years. 43 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's Camp older than me. Yeah. But I'm chill. Oh, and I okay. am sorry that I won't be there because I'm an indoor queer, but my kickball kickball team. Well, most of them will be there. And yes, Tiana, that's for you. Go have a drink. It's cool. Oh, yeah. How many times did you say kickball? The kickball word that you just said, kickball? Oh, kickball. She's kickball. passed out drunk by now. <laughs> I hope shots. not. She's on her way to pick me up. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Wait, wait to drink until All later. right, and I want to mention the LGBTQ2 Plus Study Scholarship Program. We are raising money for that right now, and uh, it's been put on our Facebook page today. It's a queer thang, T-H-A-N-G, on Facebook. You can become a founding funder of this program if you donate by September 4th, which is right around the corner. We will, of course, be accepting donations after that in any amount, but for $250 uh, before September 4th or more, you can become a Founding funder, and there is founding a founding funder. A founding funder. I know we had a meeting last night, and you don't know how many times I did not say founding funder. <laughs> I said other things. And there's an LGBTQ plus town hall this Monday, August 21st, from 6 to 8 p.m. at the United Way at 4949 East Kings Canyon Boulevard in Fresno, where LGBTQ plus community members and everybody is welcome, and our allies will. Uh, We're talking about the new liaison position that we've covered on the show in the past so and we're talking about lots of other things too but yeah, it's maybe it's, a beginning of us all coming together on a regular basis to uh, discuss the community and what needs to be done so we hope to see you at those events as well and let's see here i have some good news you want to hear a little bit of good news we got a couple minutes left okay so seth martin is for sworn in as the very first trans man to ever serve as a judge in the united states Woo. this month I, I first it said New York, the first trans judge in New York, and I was yeah. like, okay. And then I read the whole rest of the article, and it said. In and the then United I read States. the article. I know, right? <laughs> but like the United States, that's the first amazing. trans man to be a that's judge. That's so important with what's going on right now in the country. Good lord, that's it's twenty twenty three, people. Yeah. And, okay. And my little good news, and then we'll got we got to go, is that. There is an app now for for <laughs> teens to be able to read banned books, and I'll post oh, that information yes. on our yes, site. Yes, exactly. In fact, I posted that on our Threads account. That's right, listeners. We have a Threads, Threads. account. I'm making a sweater as we speak. <laughs> of course, you know you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Threads. Everything is It's a Queer Thang, T-H-A-N-G. And you are welcome to email us at It's a Queer Thang, T-H-A-N-G, at gmail.com, and we will talk to you. Thank you so much. We'll talk Bye-bye. to you next time.